Hello, and welcome to The Jam. This is for when your life and your toast are a little dry. I'm Joanne. And I'm Maddie. And together we make The Jam. And we're excited to sit here and chat with you. So grab a cup of something delicious. Enjoy the show. (laughs) So we have a very exciting little series that we are going to be doing here on The Jam. It's our vocation series. So this will be a three-parter with the potential for more parts, I guess, to come along as they go, as we live out our vocations. But... Um, This little series here, part one, two, and three, is all about us sharing a little bit more about ourselves um, and our own vocation stories, because I think that that is such an important part of our journey with Christ, is, you know, this calling that he has for each one of us. And I think that there's a lot of benefit in sharing those stories, um, not so that you can compare yourself, but so that you kind of have that encouragement on the journey and know that you're not alone in hard things or fun things or crazy things, um, and just to see the way God works and to really celebrate that. So for part one, we have Joanne, me, sharing her story um, about how, well, I won't talk in the third person, sharing my story about how I um, came to the vocation of marriage and what that road looked like, which was um, long and windy, but ultimately um, so blessed. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right. So now that we just shot the breeze for 30 minutes, should we get into our topic for the day, Joanne? Yeah, I think we we should because I got to go to bed sometime. Yes. Yes. Same. (laughs) So our topic for today is we wanted to talk about vocation. I know you probably heard lots of Catholic girls talk about vocation, but You've never heard us talk about vocation, so get excited. Yeah. This isn't your, you know, typical Franciscan, like, oh, we're going to some girl's household vocation shenanigans. This, no. is, this is some real stuff. Been there, some done that, experience. we're past it. Some we're past experience. it. Yeah. Into so, do you, Joanne, do you want to talk about your vocational journey, like – start to finish it's a wild ride everyone it's a wild ride grab some popcorn pour yourself a glass of wine get ready (laughs) full of ups and downs and ins and outs twists and turns but here she is it's pretty good yeah for you so my i was raised in a catholic family um was catholic my, my whole life um like my parents, I mean, we went to mass every Sunday. We um, went to Catholic school, you know, like my parents weren't like super crazy devout, like we're saying the rosary every day, but they also weren't, you know, kind of like, Meh, you can go to mass if you want to, you know, it was like, you should go to mass. We're going to pray before we eat, like um, pretty, I guess like middle of the road in that regard. But um, yeah. I went to grade school with the Nashville Dominicans um, at one of their mission schools in rural Tennessee. Um, and so I was surrounded by religious from when I was pretty young. Yeah. Cause I, I started that this. in pre-K. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this yeah. Wow. So they had a K or a pre-K through eight school. Um, and so I went there for pre-K through eighth grade. 
um, which was awesome because they're, you know, a very orthodox group of religious, very diverse. You know, I had sisters that were teachers and, and administrators that I absolutely did not like. And I had sisters that were teacher and administrators that I absolutely loved. Mm. Um, so really kind of seeing the gamut of like personality differences, like one sister, you know, rode go-karts with us and, you know, one sister like told us in the fourth grade that we were like too young to have boyfriends like from the front of the class we're just looking at the time I was like what does she know she's just like this old nun but I mean of course like it's true in the fourth grade you're too young to have a boyfriend nobody needs to have a boyfriend in the fourth grade but yeah you can't tell fourth graders in the classroom that anyway so so yeah so a lot of good times um with them so anyway so I had had this kind of example of religious life and it wasn't like super weird to me other than the fact that it's like weird to everyone because it's a, such a different lifestyle. So yeah. when I was in the seventh grade, I think, um, I went to this seventh or eighth grade. No, no, it wasn't that early. Well, I did go when I was in the seventh or eighth grade, but that's not the, I'll just skip ahead. So we, there's this conference that they do um, that the, Franciscan CFRs in the Bronx run across the nation. It's called Youth 2000. Um, and so we went for our confirmation retreat. I guess it was the eighth grade then because I, we did confirmation in eighth grade at that school. And um, so I went and like, you know, it was a, a really fun time, whatever. So we wanted to go again. So I believe I was a junior in high school, maybe. A, no, no, no. I can't, I haven't told the story in so long, so it's okay. I can't remember the timeline precisely. I'm close enough is close enough. We'll get the gist. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So it was like either my eighth grade or my freshman year, maybe it was my freshman year that we went. I don't remember anyway. And I really felt for like the first time the Lord kind of like putting this desire, um, for religious life on my heart. Uh, and so I continued to kind of discern that, but I didn't really know what it looked like. And it was all kind of, um, crazy. Oh, so I guess, no, I went when I was a junior in high school. Yeah, that must've been it. Because then, um, when I finished my senior year of high school, and this feels so weird saying it because I'm like, wow, now that I've lived so many years, I'm like, that is so young. I was like, it couldn't have been. It had to have been in college. And I'm like, no, this was after high school. So yeah, so it was, must've been my junior year of high school that I went on this retreat again. It really felt called or had this like tug on my heart, like seeing the religious at this retreat um, and having grown up with them, you know, to kind of look into this, you know, aspect of religious life. And I spent a lot of my high school being like that Catholic girl at school because I grew up in rural Tennessee and there are like 12 Catholics in rural Tennessee. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So like a lot of people kind of like thought I was kind of like crazy Catholic, even though I absolutely was not like, I went to daily mass, I don't know, once a month, like went on Sundays, went to youth group, you know, liked a Catholic faith. And I learned a lot of apologetics in high school, which really made my faith stronger, but I wasn't like by any means like a Bible thumper or anything like absolutely ridiculous. No, no, none of like the things that you think of when you think of someone who would discern religious life in high school. Yeah. So, so yeah. So then, um, I guess it was right after I graduated high school, I think some point in, or in my senior year, I visited, the national Dominicans because they were kind of the, the order that I knew, like they were attractive. Like I creeped their website so hard. Yeah. Their vocations director, um, went and visited them and I really liked them. And so when I was on the retreat, I just asked, did I go on two retreats? 
I can't remember now. Anyway, at one point I had gotten to my relationship with the vocation director and discernment. And I talked to my pastor a little bit um, and ended up asking to apply to the community. Now mm -hmm. I'll make a caveat to say different orders do it differently. Some orders kind of just give out applications and give acceptances a lot easier to people. Obviously they want to see that you've discerned, but they believe that if you've discerned enough to want to enter, you should just enter. And even if that means you only stay for a month and then you leave, like that's fine. Yeah. And some orders have a very rigorous discernment and even you entering and they have fewer people that discern out because of that. So the national yeah. Dominicans tend to have a more liberal, like come if you want to type of a thing. And they have a lot of people discern out. Mm. Um, but clearly, I mean, they're huge. They have like 300, 400 sisters. So um, yeah. So anyway, so I did the application process um, over the summer and I was supposed to enter on the Feast of the Assumption, August 15th of, what would that have been, 2013. Um, and I found out on like August 2nd or something that they had just discerned that I was not called to enter. And that was the only explanation that I have ever That's received. That's all they them. said. That's all they said. Um, wow. Which like I believe now is true, but I don't know if there was anything else. Um, that ever came up and that's not a bad reflection on them. I mean, they're a great community would recommend. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was different about my situation. Um, or if when they do discern that someone should not enter, it really is just that simple and they really don't other than like, like some me. big red flag. That's why they don't tell people to come. So. Wow. So that, how did you feel when that happened? Oh, I was so heartbroken and I was, I mean, I was immature, frankly, I was 18. Yeah. Um, I like, I got the phone call. I was at work at Dunkin' Donuts. So I'm like in the back of Dunkin' Donuts crying because like, this was supposed to be my life. Like I had put all of my apples in this basket, told yeah. people like a hundred percent in. Um, mm. and yeah. And then now it's not happening. And I well, we just, felt like you were being broken up with. Yeah. In a sense. Yes. And it was that way. And also like, I, what am I going to do with my life now? Like, yeah, it's August and I'm supposed to be going to college or like going to a trade school or have a job and I'm working at Dunkin' Donuts and I hated it. And anyway, so that was a really, really rough day. Um, yeah. So Poor then little I, 18 year old Joe. I, I know. So. Feel sad for her. So sad for her. But, um, yeah. So then like within a week and a half, um, so I had applied to Franciscan university and been accepted. I just hadn't like fine. Like, I think I had even paid like the 150, whatever deposit to like secure your spot. I think I don't remember. Yeah. So I basically just like went in and signed all my government loans, signed everything that I needed to like went to Walmart and bought all the things I needed for my dorm room. Like in, and then two and a half weeks later from finding out that I wasn't accepted, I was moving into Franciscan two wow. or three weeks, something like that wild turnaround. So anyway, so then I'm like heartbroken. Um, but I'm kind of, they, but I asked them, I was like, well, can I keep discerning with you? Like, is this no, never? And they're like, well, it's not no, never, but like you would need to wait like five years before you would kind of like come back to us or something. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, well, that's great. So I still really felt like this desire for religious life and was really interested in it. So I ended up kind of connecting with different people on, um, at Franciscan about discernment and about like this whole kind of thing that I felt called that I was like being called soul discernment journey. Um, and so I ended yeah. up going on a nun run. That's where I became friends with my friend Haley. Um, nice. we bonded over a blueberry muffin. She, we drove like half the day to this random place in Pennsylvania and she was starving and we found some muffins in the kitchen and we weren't friends. And we were like, we're about to go to a holy hour. 
that, and then we haven't eaten and it's like 7 p.m. So we like shove muffin in our face because we were so hungry. Wow. What a um, moment. I know it really was. And then we like stayed up until 11 eating pizza with these nuns. And I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die because <laughs> it's so late. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, and so we got to like, I visited cloistered Carmelite, um, which the, the Carmel was built in the design of the one in Lisieux, France. And, um, yeah. So, and then got to meet other religious that were at Franciscan and all this stuff. And so by the end of that semester, I decided that I wanted to go visit the Franciscans in the Bronx, um, the CFRs sisters, um, because I had really liked them and was really attracted to their, like their charism and their way of life. But I was in high school, I was like, I'm, there's no way I can fly to New York freaking city. I have $0 and my parents are not going to pay for that. Yeah. So I took a bus at like 6am from Steubenville, <laughs> or from Pittsburgh actually to New York city and then flew home with money I had made during the semester, um, for Christmas. So I went like right before Christmas and that was, it was a really crazy, um, visit. It was, it was awesome. And I really loved it. I think it was four or five days long, but I also got lice while I was there. I actually think I brought it from the dorm (laughs) because my roommate or I had gotten it earlier that year or whatever. But anyway, so I think I like, or I got lice while I was there. So the vocation director had to like put the like I had the mayonnaise in my hair and had to like comb the lice out of my hair for like an hour and a half like (laughs) so dramatic um and then I found out later she didn't tell anyone like the I think the superior knew and that was it none of the other sisters knew like I said something like oh you remember that time I got lice here and they were like what and I was like oh I thought everyone knew no one they were talking around about it around the dinner table like you'll never guess this Joanne shows up brings life to the mother house oh my gosh so yeah so that visit went really well really liked them um and then I think I went back for another visit with that order with that order yeah at some were you called to their charism specifically is that what like made you want to go yeah, I think so. I think, like, learning about, like, France, St. Francis and the Franciscans kind of, like, made me really interested in just what they do with their life. So, like, the Dominicans are teachers. Um, so that's when, at least with the National Dominicans and I believe the Ann Arbor, you enter and you immediately start getting your education degree. Um, and then you spend, like, the sisters who already have the degree and are teaching are getting, like, masters and PhDs. Some of them have, like, three or four masters, two or three PhDs or, you know, whatever. I don't know. So they do a lot of study and education and I wasn't really attracted to that. I think I was more attracted to like their prayer and their habit and their life. And just, that was the only thing I knew um, at the time, but the Franciscans do a lot of work with the poor, which I was much more attracted by. Um, so yeah. So then, and then in that kind of that, I think mixed with working at Dunkin' Donuts over the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, maybe end up switching my major to social work. Um, and then, yeah, I think I visited again right before I went to Austria. So I went to Austria in the spring of 2015. So spring of my sophomore year and semester. Um, yeah, it had to have been right before that because I asked for an application um, when I was there. And so I started the application process before I left for Austria. Mm. Um, what, yeah, what so that, that was, like? what does the because, application process look like? 
So it varies for every community, um, but basically there's like some general information about you. Um, there's some sort of like essay or something. Usually get, getting the application involves interviewing with um, the superiors, um, whether that be the novice director, mother. Uh, I think actually for both, I first was with the um, vocation director, asked the vocation director, then she set it up. And she had me go to the novice director and then I would chat with them about like why I felt called, like what I like, what I didn't like ever. And yeah. then mother. So with both communities, I talked to those three people, vocation, novice director and mother. Um, and so I think they kind of have to approve you like getting an application. Yep. Um, and then, yeah. So the application is just like general information, like family history, uh, Medical history, you, I had to get a form signed by a doctor. I had to go get a physical. Um, I had to go get, um, like I went to go get my teeth cleaning and had to have the dentist sign a form that said like, you don't have rotting teeth. Uh, and then I had to go get a psychological evaluation, which I think is a hallmark for anyone, whether priesthood or religious life. Yeah. Um, which is basically like I took an IQ test. I took like, you know, these inv inventories that can flag like mental health issues um, inventory, uh, or met with this person and I had to fill out paperwork about family history, like traumatic experiences, like da da da. And it's really hard because it's digging up like your whole life and kind of going through it and looking for things that would be challenging in community life. Um, and it's funny because he basically, the thing that I remember from that is that he came back and said, um, He's like, you're going to have a problem with obedience, <laughs> which is so true. <laughs> <laughs> like your biggest challenge is going to be obedience. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Dang. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So that's generally the application process. And then, um, with and the CFRs, I like how like thorough it is because they want to make sure that you will succeed mm -hmm. and have what you like, have what you need and that mm -hmm. the other women that you're living with will like be. I don't know, like, I guess like protected. They're not letting crazy people into the convent. Right. Not right. letting crazy people. And it's probably because so many of the sisters, they do ministry with other people. Like you're going to yeah. be working with kids. You're going to be working with elderly, like whatever. So yeah. even though like at first impression, when you were telling me all that, I was like, that's kind of a lot. If someone wants to be a sister, let them be a sister. <laughs> but it's like, not that easy. It's just like right. a specific calling and because of the ministry that you're doing, like you have to be healthy and sane right. and like a full functioning human being. And that's good. That like brings me a lot of I don't know, comfort, I guess. Yeah. And I think that a lot of it, I want to say that they said the main reason for the psychological evaluation isn't to figure out if you're crazy or not. It's to help kind of guide your formation should you enter. Mm. And I mean, I do think because I, I have a friend who, applied with me and was actually also, I mean, spoiler alert, was also did not enter the CFRs. And I think that part of that was, you know, something came up. Um, I don't think it was, I don't know, maybe it was mental health related, but like some wound or something that they were like, we think you should give this a year and like, you know, do, I think she was also graduating or something. I don't remember. I just graduated college. Um, and then she actually ended up entering like a year or two later. Um, wow. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I think that some of it is to say like, 
maybe you just need some more formation outside of the convent or let's know like what you're really going to struggle with to have more empathy, but also to help guide you, you know, better. Because if you know, like if they, if I had entered and they knew that I was going to struggle with obedience, then it's easier for them to be like, I understand that this is really hard or like help me like, and talk about that and, and whatever, you know, maybe life looks a little bit different because they know that that's just part of who I am and part of my history. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it is a lot. Um, I feel like both communities were very good at, um, helping me with the financial burden of that because I mean, you're hiring a psychologist for like six hours of work. Mm. Um, so it's not cheap. I don't remember. It was like a couple hundred dollars, um, for that part of it. And then I think like, I mean, obviously like the interviews with the nuns are free. Um, but, uh, yeah, but then the doctor's visits, like you have to pay for those too. And yeah. So, so I did all of that and then I went to Austria and then I found out when we were in Austria that, um, I'd been accepted for the two week visit. So they do the application and then you go on a two week visit where you get to stay at all of the convents while you, that they have in the Bronx and you mm-hmm. get to do more of their ministry and all this stuff. And, and that was really cool. Cause I got to see a lot more of their like recreational life and their working life. And you get to pray like them for two weeks and you get to talk to like the priests in the Franciscan friars community and, and get to know more of the sisters. And I had visited now, this is like my fourth or fifth time mm-hmm. visiting. And so I like knew all but like two sisters um and the whole community which was really cool um and then so I went on the two-week visit and I like the second to last day of the two-week visit I kind of thought to myself like I don't know if I'm really supposed to do this and I'm like okay Joanne it's just because you've been here for so long like you know and you're this whole your whole life is changing and this is kind of crazy and blah 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 blah. like you're don't like pull out your application like that would be super stupid so um yeah so then I um, left there and was like, yeah, you know, I still feel good about this, whatever. And then they called me like two weeks later. Um, so I would, would have entered at the end of August, beginning of September. And they called me at the end of July. Mm. Um, and they were like, we feel like you definitely might have our charism, but that now is just not the time. Like you're getting so much good benefit from Franciscan. Cause remember I had only been at Franciscan for two years. Yeah. Um, they were like, you're getting so much benefit from what you're doing at Franciscan. Um, like we feel like you should stay and do that. And so I was like, okay. Um, and then she, the vocation director who I like grew so close to, I mean, she helped me with so many things in Austria. Like I had ended up talking to this priest when we were living in Austria and he was like, you know, you're too young. You're stealing a degree from this community. If you enter, you know, in the middle of college, like weird stuff. And I remember just like calling her crying, like I'm calling her and I'm paying for every minute, like two euro or something ridiculous calling her. I don't even remember what time it was. I think it was in one of the phone calls. It's like in Austria because there's not really, um, you have to get a phone card because they don't pay for your long distance calls to America, which makes sense. Um, and I don't think I had a cell phone at this point or it just wasn't working that well because they give you like a Nokia cell phone. Yep. In Austria. And things might have changed. No, I know. I'm telling for for our listeners. Yeah. So they had these things called Joanne and I are not friends. Just we're not friends. Like we knew each other and I was like, oh, Maddie's pretty cool. But like, we just weren't friends. Exactly. I had a friend crush on Joanne, but that's all (laughs) I knew about her. That's all we knew. That's all we knew. So in Austria, they have these like, I'm talking tiny closets. Like think about like a bathroom closet. 
<laughs> um, with a phone and a lamp and like maybe a little like bench seat or something to sit down. And like, this There's is where like you call curtain, your family. Right? Yeah. And a curtain. And this is where you call your family and have conversations. Now this is in the dorm hallway and the, the curtain is just a piece of fabric. So like, these are not private conversations by no. any <laughs> strength no, of the imagination. So, but also as long as no one's like standing in the hallway, they're only getting bits and pieces. So anyway, so I like call her and I'm like crying to her on the phone, like about this thing. And so there's just so many uh, like conversations and things like that. And so I, I, and I still really like her and I wish that I wrote her more and I wish she had time to write me more and we just don't Mm. anymore. But anyway, so I found out like two weeks after she told me this, this sister that I had grown so close to and was kind of like my spiritual director in a way um she told me that she was being moved to be the postulant formator and wasn't going to be the vocation director anymore Mm. which was really sad and so they had another sister come in who didn't really know me like she knew of me um we had met and had conversation but she didn't really know me intimately and so so then it got kind of awkward because I kind of wanted to like keep in touch with them because I still really felt called to that community but this sister basically I was had to have been like September I still remember I was sitting on one of those hills behind Marion where the old friary used to be yep. like looking out at the woods. And she was like, I think you should just like, you can call us once a quarter, but you just need to like step away from discernment, which I think made me upset because I was like, this sister doesn't know me. She doesn't know my journey. She doesn't know any of this stuff. And she's just telling me I can't call them. And I just remember being depressed for like a week because mm-hmm. this was like what I wanted to do with my life. And I you know, just felt so torn. And anyway, So then, so that was the beginning of my junior year. So basically I spent my entire junior year not really knowing what I needed to do with my life, like enjoying being at Franciscan and all of that, all that that meant, but kind of like taking a step back from like discerning Mm. at all, really, even though I still like love those sisters and, you know, wanted to be around them. I think even at one point during my junior year, I like went to, maybe it was my fall semester of my senior year. I had a couple friends that lived in the New York area and we actually went to an event that's hosted by the Franciscan Friars. And there was like one sister there and it was like the one sister I had never met. And I was so pissed because we went all the way to New York city to creep on the Franciscans and it totally bombed in my face. It was still, it was a really fun trip, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be, which is fine. God knew. So, okay, let me interject here for a second. Cause as someone on the periphery, this is what I experienced. Like, I feel like I got like a snapshot as to what was happening in your life because during Austria or in Austria, we like are living in community, this big, beautiful place. I am sitting outside minding my own business and reading for my philosophy class, metaphysics. And this huge gaggle of girls just like runs past me like Joanne 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 and everyone's like you're blindfolded they're bringing you past and they're like it's Joanne's bachelorette party she's entering the convent and I was like who are these girls like oh I didn't know Joanne was entering the convent that's cool little did I know they would become my household sisters and you would become one of my besties yes so anyways Then you, we get back to school and I'm the RA in the dorm that you live in. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, Joanne's back. Joanne's back. Joanne didn't go to the convent. Joanne's back at school. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I forgot Joanne was even going to the convent. <laughs> Anyways. And then we became friends later. I just needed yeah. to interject that little story. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. No, my, fr- I had some really great friends who like organized this fun bachelorette party. Yeah. And I mean, it was a whirlwind because I found out at the end of July that I wasn't accepted. And then I was like, 
frick, what do I do? And thank God I had not withdrawn officially from Franciscan, even though I like, I was like, well, might as well. Like, I know I'm going to enter the convent. Like, we don't need to keep any bridges still up. Let's burn them all. Burn um, so, and I'm so grateful I didn't, cause I literally, all I had to do was like finalize my housing or something like stupid or just accept like, you know, mark that I'm going to school this fall or whatever. I don't know. I didn't have to do anything crazy. I just had to like repack my bags and tell everyone I was coming back. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so then, um, what was it sometime? Yes. Oh, so my senior year, I decided at the middle, it was December ish of my senior year. I decided I was going to do a mission year with an organization called Maggie's place after mm. college yep. um, for a year. And so I made that decision in December. Um, and around, I guess that same time I started thinking about the CFRs again, and it really was something that I had really stepped away from. Um, can you still hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can. Okay, great. Because my phone hit 1%. So I had to take, I had to charge it. Whoops. Take, no, whoops. Um, yeah. So, um, so I really had like, let it go, but they kept kind of like coming. I don't remember remember if it was coming up in prayer or just kind of coming up in thought a lot or whatever. And so I ended up calling the vocation director who had changed again. Um, and was a sister that I had a little bit more of a just like relationship with. Um, her name was sister Claire, who she is now actually the superior of the community. Her name is oh. Um, which is cool. She's written a really good book on discernment. Um, I'll link it in the show notes, link but it in the show notes. Yeah. So first discernment for women. So she, um, so I called her and I was like, "Ah, listen, like maybe I'm interested. I don't really know. Like da, 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 da. And so she's like, what? And so I told her, I was like, I'm doing this thing for a year. And so she was like, okay, well, why don't we, why don't you try to visit, you know, before you go to this, um, like year of service over the summer at some point, like, even if it's only for a few days, like that would be great. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I had put something on the calendar, I think for like June or something. And I think I made that appointment in January um, with her. And for like the rest of the month, like I had just felt like I needed to call her and do this, need to call her and do this. And then like, I don't know, the day or two after I like had it set in stone, I was, or had it like put on the schedule. I was just so on like not peaceful. And I was like, just give it time, just give it time. So a month passes and I'm still like, just not peaceful about going. I'm like, there's something about this. Like, I just don't want to go. And it's, and it's not leaving. And I like prayed through it and da da da. So I called her and I was like, okay, sister, like, I think I'm not supposed to go. And so I kind of explained what I was feeling. She's like, yeah. She's like, I mean, maybe now's not the time. She's like, so call me back later if you, you know, are interested, but I'll take you off. And like, you know, you can always come at Christmas. You can always come when your year is over, like, you know, plenty of time. They're not going. Yeah. yeah. So I canceled that. It was a Thursday, I believe, because I think that I canceled it or maybe I canceled it on a Wednesday. And I just remember feeling lost and sad. I was like, God, I've been on this crazy vocations journey. All I want to do is what you want me to do. And I'm so confused about this whole thing. And I'm just like depressed. And, and then at the same time, like my senior year, I felt like there were guys that I liked who acted like they were really into me and then told me that they weren't. And, and a lot of being led on and a lot of me like leading myself on with these people. Like, I don't think it was all one-sided at all. Um, so I just felt like I was, had a lot of heartbreak. I was like, this is dumb. So I remember just like laying in bed and or going to like a holy half hour that week that I canceled my 
my visit with the CFRs and I was like, I am just so like, just like depressed. I'm like, what is happening? So anyway, God, I feel like I hear too many stories of God's timing, but here's another one. For Can I interject want- really quick before you yeah. tell the God's um, timing thing, which is great. Okay, so during the same time that Joanne is going through this heartbreak, I myself am also going through this heartbreak. And Joanne and I used to get in Joanne's car and play this song called Superman. We'll put it in the show notes. We would play it on blast over and over again, and we would drive around, and we would just cry and yell and be angry and sad. And then we would go get some donuts, and we'd be fine. Kind of. It was just like a Band-Aid, but I just needed to interject that. Do you remember this? Yes, our mutual sadness drove our friendship together. It, it's so true. We became <laughs> friends because we were sad. It's it's so true. It's, it's so and true. all of our other friends graduated and left us alone. We were lonely and sad, and so we became so, friends. That's how we became friends. That's right. Uh, okay, that, so God's timing thing. What'd you say? That's a God's timing. That thing. is a God's timing. And speaking of God's timing. Speaking of God's timing, so that I like, so that holy hour happened on a Thursday. I know that. Um, and then on Saturday, Maddie and I went out to Pittsburgh for the day, and I had to come back early because I was working a shift at the desk at Franciscan University Chapel. Um, and my friend who was on the liturgy committee was like, Can I have dinner with you? And I was like, Sure, like I'm working, but you can like bring your microwave dinner to the office, which was normal. I mean, we were friends and we would have dinner sometimes. I did not think anything weird was going to happen. <laughs> And then it turns out we're like eh, having dinner. And I was like, I just remember it being one of the most awkward segues and knowing him now, spoiler alert, he's my husband. <laughs> it, I wouldn't expect anything less. So anyway, so this guy named Dave, who I was friends with was like, so um, I think I'm really interested in you, you know, da, da, da. That's what he, he didn't say he liked me. He doesn't say he was attracted to me. So he was, <laughs> And I just remember, like, after having this conversation, basically, I was in, I was dressed in a nice, like, red, like, canvas dress, a hoodie, because it was super cold in there, and a Snuggie. (laughs) So I knew it was real. (laughs) So I did not look good. Um, Anyway, so he basically was like, listen, I'm interested in you, and I would like to kind of pursue a more um, intentional friendship. He, it, it was really awkward. There's no getting around it. And I think he even today would be like, you know, it could have been done better, but it was also <laughs> fine. I knew him. So I wasn't like, oh, this is like a super weirdo. Yeah. He also was not the kind of person that I would like expect to go out with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't on my radar really at all, except for the fact that he had sent me like a couple weird text messages like the week before. And I was like, do you like me? <laughs> so then I, I didn't know that. thought about it little bit so it wasn't like so random um yeah so anyway so then I remember walking into the chapel and like looking up at the cross and being like what are you doing like I was alone in the chapel so I wasn't speaking out loud but I was like had my hands flailing in the air I was like are you kidding me like this is ridiculous (laughs) so I just I was like what I don't understand I don't understand what's happening so um yeah so anyway so we went um we talked for a week. He brought a kale and peanut butter sandwich to my dorm or my uh, apartment house for lunch one day. He, we went on a few dates. Um, oh, can I like tell it, about the first date? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. 
So the first date, Joanne and I had this other friend, friend named Bethany. She's still our friend in college and still now. We called her Beefy. Don't ask us why, but we called her Beefy. So Beefy and I were at Joanne's house. We promptly showed up in time to help her get ready for her first date with Dave, which is very kind of us. Then we're helping her. We're being like, <laughs> like super annoying. And then Dave shows up and... Bethany then, Bethany and I run upstairs, run upstairs. Dave comes, Joanne <laughs> doesn't even like let him in or open the door at all. It just is like, okay, bye. It, like shuts the door and goes outside where Dave is. And Bethany and I run up to this little window that they had in their apartment. We're looking out the window and Dave's like, oh, I think your friends are like by the window. And you're like, ah, yeah. We were the best. Anyways. Oh, I know. I distinctly remember. Yeah. I like rushed out the door and I was like, bye Bethany. And I didn't say Maddie because I didn't want him to know you were there. Cause he knew that you didn't live with me. Oh. He knew it was Bethany. And so, and then yes, I was totally oblivious and he's how he opened the car door for me. And he's like, um, I think your friends are watching us and your two heads were there. And when you saw me look at you, you didn't even like run away in shame. You just like, were like, Hey, <laughs> cause we're the best. Me and Beefy. Shout out to Beefy. Shout out to Beefy. Um, we'll link a picture of her in the show notes. Okay. With us so you guys can see. She doesn't look Beefy. She's no. Very- she's a beautiful woman. She's, her name is Beefy. <laughs> so, anyway. So, yeah. So, we went on a few dates. It was good. We started dating. Um, and then, so that... We started dating in March, and then we ended up working the Steubenville Summer Conferences together, so we were together for the summer, but then we did the long-distance thing um, when I went moved to Arizona to do Maggie's Place, which was very difficult. Um, I, we left our relationship when I moved. He actually drove with me to Phoenix, but um, we drove from Steubenville, and um, yeah, we kind of left our relationship where we're like, yeah, you know what? Like, I think we can start talking about getting married. Like, I think that we're going that direction and you know our relationship so we basically spent like my time at Maggie's place either talking about how crappy my life was because Maggie's place was very difficult not it's very difficult for everyone I feel like it was very difficult for me especially um a lot of things we won't get into it but uh yeah so we were either kind of talking about like values and ideals or we were talking about my crappy life um but it was really good because it kind of helped both of us get perspective of like how much can we, you know, or just how do we deal with stress in a relationship, especially when we can't, like, there's nothing physical you can do for someone. Like he couldn't bring me dinner or cook for me or hug me. You know, it was very much a, like, you know, do I obsessively pray for this person because they're going through a really hard time and I can't do anything else. And, and so, yeah, so we both kind of realized things about ourselves and about our relationship and, Mm -hmm. um, during that year, which I don't think that I would have felt confident in, in like marrying him had we not gone through something difficult like that. Yeah. Um, so then I ended my time at Maggie's place in March um, of the following year. So we had been dating just about a year. Um, and then I ended up living in Phoenix until May um, with like a random roommate. And then right before I moved and right before he graduated, he actually like surprise flew out to Phoenix and we like went babe. on day date and then we got engaged um in that uh time period and 
then we got married in January. Um, and I think all of it was a whirlwind. I think a lot of our discernment of marriage had to do with like living through hard things. A lot of our discernment of marriage had to do with our like matching ideals for like what we wanted family to look like and what we wanted our lives to look like. And knowing that even if, you know, certain things change that like what, like our faith in Christ wouldn't and our, you know, desire, um, the way we wanted to live our lives and, and just the basic kind of things like that, um, were very solidified, which is what, like, I always kind of tell people, like, if your values are the same, then, you know, it's a lot easier, you know, cause our personalities are very different. And, and yeah, so then like in engagement, I find you like learned so much more about a person and you thought you were ready to marry them. And then you learned all this other stuff. Um, so I think it's a really good part of like the whole discernment process is being engaged. Um, and then, yeah. And then just praying a lot. Um, I mean, I went on a silent retreat like a week before I got married and that was really kind of where I was like, okay, like, I know, like, I feel called to this because it's hard when you've discerned religious life for so long and you're like, is that, am I really called to this? Um, yeah. and now my discernment is over because I'm married and it's for life. So <laughs> it's funny to like talk about discernment because I really haven't thought about it for so long. Yeah so long almost two years <laughs> it's not that long <laughs> but I bet like when you're in discernment it feels like it's a million years long and the hardest thing that you've ever done and that it's never going to end and that you're never going to know what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life you're never going to know God's calling for you it's always going to be dramatic it's always going to be hard you're always going to cry it's just not true because look at you here you are two years out of it and you can like you can talk about your discernment, but like watching you like as a friend to go through it, like it was hard. Like yeah. even as a peripheral friend at the beginning, like it was, and then more so like I was, I was more friends with you during your marriage dating discernment part of it. Um, but it's hard and it takes time and effort, but it's worth it because when you're through it, you don't have to discern your vocation forever. Like no. every day you're still working on to live out your vocation, but you've already made the, you've already said the yes, you've already right. answered the call, made the choice. And I think that the like trials of discernment kind of set you up for like the trials of like life in your vocation, because it is really hard, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, we don't, or in the moment we're like, oh, I just want this to be over. So I don't have this hard. And then it's like, yeah, you know, well, at the same time, like you have hard of like, you know, life crisis or hard of, we don't have money or hard of, you know, family issues. Like there's a lot of different hard than the discernment, but like the learning to lean on prayer, the learning to listen to the Lord, the learning on trusting him, like those things are so foundational to a good spiritual life. And those are the things that you gain in like, truly discerning mm -hmm. um you know so i think it's i think it's really good to have a healthy um you know respect for that and to really give your all when you're discerning and i also think it's important to kind of put it in perspective of like it doesn't last forever yep and i don't think there's a single saint that in the church who became a saint simply because of their discernment process you know it's what you do after you enter in your vocation so like kind of focusing on like you know, I'm going to do my best so that I can set myself up for a life and a vocation that can make me holy mm. because discerning a vocation doesn't make you holy mm. in and of itself. Yeah. It can, set it can you help you. Holy. 
Yeah. Yeah. But like you, it's not like, oh, well, to be holy, I need to discern vocation. Like, no, you set up like holy hour and daily mass because you want to discern your vocation. And those are the things that make you holy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. So yeah. So that's my story. Um, how I went. Now you're going to be in the background making the stupid noise. Dave? Oh, yikes. Yeah. He was being stupid. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah. So that's my story. That is kind of how I went from discerning religious life to discerning it again, to not discerning it and then ended up surprise dating. Um, yeah, I do feel like it was a whirlwind. I haven't thought about it in a long time. Um, but it's just one example of how the Lord works, Mm -hmm. um, in unique ways. So, and he's always faithful and he wants all of us to be in our vocation and he will do everything in his power with your open heart to help. And even if your heart is closed to help you like live in your vocation, because that's what he wants for you. That's what you were created for. And I think your story is like a beautiful testament to being open to God's plan, taking that, like going out and taking the risk, being open to heartache and like that, that, work and discernment coming to fulfillment in your marriage with Dave and it's very faith-filled and love-filled and like a great example of what what a marriage should be like the reflection like that Jesus has for the church so I think it's awesome that you guys are living your vocation thanks Maddie yeah you're welcome yeah it's really, I mean, it, it's really neat to be in your vocation and be like, wow, like, you know, this is how I'm called to be holy and to see how it makes you holy. And, and just like the wisdom of Christ. Like I think about that so often, like those guys that I liked when I was a senior in college. And I'm like, I remember thinking like so many times like, but Dave's, you know, if I was married to this person, it would be like this. And it's like, yeah, but you would have so many other problems mm-hmm. that you wouldn't, that I could think about and potentially, you know, uh, guess at, but, um, you know, I, I'll never truly know. And at the same time, I like, thank God every day for Dave, because I feel like there are, there are, I know of so many men who would like just live their life in a way that would drive me crazy. Like Dave is so sacrificial and I need that because I'm so selfish, but also because he like calls me to like be more sacrificial. So I think that it's, it's like a really good, um, combination because he's not sacrificial in the way that's like, yes, you do whatever you want all the time. But it's like, yeah, in a way that like is good for my temperament and is good for, I don't know, like makes me not like want to hate him and like punch him in the face (laughs) every day, but also like calls me onto a greater level of holiness, which I feel like is a very fine line. So yeah. So just like seeing like the absolute providence of God, even in the little things. Um, and yeah. And how faithfulness really does pay off, um, in that regard. Uh, even if it doesn't look like paying off in the way that you think it will or whatever, but, um, yeah. So, so I think that will conclude part one of, um, our vocation series. Uh, so part two, you can tune into next week, which will be sweet Maddie and her, um, vocation timeline (laughs) (laughs) whirlwind. Yes. Which is, is a whirlwind. Very different. Still very. And 
anyway, spoiler alert, she's engaged now, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it ends happy, but they all end happy. Yeah. They oh, that's right. God doesn't want your vocation to be a secret. Like, he wants you to figure it out, mm-hmm. um, which I think was consoling to me in my time of discernment, but. Yeah, um, he's not like, he, 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 I will hide this vocation yeah. from her. No. Yeah. God doesn't work like that. No. He does not, thankfully. Thankfully. But, and then maybe yeah. if if we're lucky, we'll get an episode. We'll get a third episode in this series where the love of our lives decide to join us. It yes, might, we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Drop us a note to say on a scale of one to ten how excited you would be to have Dave and Arvin be on the podcast. Mine is a ten. What Mine if that's is the an eleven. <laughs> oh, Maddie, what was <laughs> the? I might meet him. That's fine. Um, but it would be all the more fun because I would just be like a total noodle. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. It's either that so. or the wedding, so. <laughs> all right. <sighs> all right. Check back next week and you can hear part two and then the next week, hopefully part three. Hopefully part three. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Blessing. Blessing. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Jam. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at the underscore j dot a dot m to catch up with us through the week and see what we're up to. Also, if your favorite podcast app that you are listening on allows for reviews, please leave us a review. That helps us to be able to reach more people and share our funny stuff with them. Be sure to come back to your favorite podcast app every Wednesday at noon. That's when we post our new episodes, and we would love to have you listen in. Thanks, y'all.